I was genuinely struggling to leave the house some days because my panic attacks were so acute. So there was a very short period of time that I actually found myself taking my double pram and walking into to the job centre. And I remember just sitting there feeling so humiliated, James. And I know there's a lot of people that have to utilise our benefit system for very good reason, and, and that's what it's there for. But I just sat there feeling completely ashamed, you know, looking down at my children, thinking, I used to be responsible for 100 staff members. And now I'm sort of sat here, cap in hand, filling out these ridiculous forms to get £70 a week. It felt very, very degrading. You're listening to 40 Minute Mentor, your pocket-sized career mentor on a mission to raise aspirations and inspire the next generation of category-defining founders. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to say a big thank you to our series sponsors, Alchemist. Alchemist is an industry-leading learning and development company whose learning journeys and experiences help organizations such as John Lewis, Sony, and the NHS who want to grow, change, or transform by putting the learner first to optimize organizational performance. We've been huge fans of Alchemist for years and really admire the way in which they approach blended learning that allows people to explore concepts and ideas in a new and unique way. To find out more about Alchemist and the way they work with organisations, head over to thisisalchemist.com forward slash 40 Minute Mentor. Welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor, the podcast on a mission to raise aspirations and inspire the next generation of category defining founders. From purpose led entrepreneurs to Olympic champions, you'll hear firsthand from today's successful leaders on what it takes to be brilliant, all in just 40 minutes. Today, I'm joined by Ellie Mackay, property entrepreneur and host of the On A Mission podcast. I recently had the real pleasure of being on the podcast with Ellie, and I couldn't wait to get her on 40 Minute Mentor to share her incredible story and her inspiring mentorship with you all. Not so long ago, Ellie's life was very different, raising three children under five, battling postnatal depression and facing redundancy. Fast forward to today, Ellie is a serial entrepreneur building a multi-million pound property portfolio. She also hosts one of the most popular entrepreneurship podcasts in the UK. So Ellie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, no, thank you, James. What a lovely warm introduction. I'm fantastic. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Oh, well, it's the pleasure is really all mine. We always like to start 40 Minute Mental with some quick fire questions just to kind of warm you up. So if you're happy to, please, can you finish the following sentences after me? First up, my first ever job was? Burger King. Oh, that's a good one. Great job. That's a, that's, that is a really good one. Brilliance to me means? Being the best version of myself. That's a great answer. That's very true. That's very true. A misconception people have about me is? Oh, people think that I'm a real hard ass, but I'm a bit like a marshmallow, really. I've ne- never described myself as a marshmallow <laughs> before. So this is world exclusive. I'm like a marshmallow that gets warmed up over the fire because I'm all like soft and gooey in the inside. Oh, yeah. There's something about being very successful 
Yeah, sometimes you can have a perception externally that you're kind of really hard-nosed entrepreneur. But well, my interaction with you is not the case. So that's a great answer. And finally, Ellie, can you share something that we wouldn't learn from your CV? So it's maybe something that's not obvious, but something you've learned from. So that could be a failure, a setback in your career, but something that you've kind of maybe has lasted, uh, left a lasting impression or something you've learned a lot from? It took me in excess of 200 driving lessons and seven attempts to get my driving license. So that taught me the importance of resilience, determination, never giving up and just never to stop believing in yourself, even when the vast majority of other people around you may lose faith in you and your abilities. <laughs> wow, good effort. I mean, that is that is real resilience. My my mum, I think my mum was five, five or six times. I passed second time, but I am no great driver. I feel like maybe I could have done with 200 lessons, to be honest with you. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Do you know what? I bet there's going to be somebody listening to this that really needs to hear that right now. It just kind of is plugging away, maybe on the third go of passing the test. So thank, thank you so much for sharing. I feel like I actually get in points for attendance in the end. Even my examiner, I'd had the same examiner on three of my seven tests. But when I started out with my driving instructor, he was engaged to be married. And by the time I'd actually passed my test, he was married. Um, I think he had had one baby had a second baby on the way and I'd been invited to the christening so it was a real quite a deep relationship <laughs> you probably like went through a whole life phase together wow that's amazing that's so cool oh well thank you Ellie already I think we found out a little bit about your personality just from the answer to those questions but I really want to want to dive into your earlier life because I think that often says quite a lot about the people that we have on this podcast and, and you know, how their childhood has shaped them. So can you tell us a bit about your kind of upbringing, what, what it was like to be you growing up um, and what did you want to be when you were younger? Did you have any aspirations to be some property entrepreneur? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, what's really interesting, James, is that I do, well, I have done quite a few interviews and very rarely has anyone actually asked me about my uh, upbringing. My, my parents were originally market traders. They used to travel from England to Scotland. They had full-time jobs and they used to sell textiles. And they had quite a lot of success doing that. They opened up a shop, then they opened up multiple shops. And life was pretty good. We had the nice detached house. I remember we had like electric windows in the car back when that was like a huge thing. And we had a sunroof and we really thought we were the bee's knees. We used to have the five-star holidays to Disneyland and really were in quite a privileged position and, and actually saw my parents' business dissolve and their marriage dissolved, which was probably happening over a course of several years. But because we were sheltered from that, it seemed to happen very quickly. And what was quite a stable childhood became very volatile very quickly to the point that my mum moved into a council house. My dad just moved into a really small two up to down sort of masonette and we actually had bailiffs at the door to repossess our stuff. I then had to watch my mum have a, well both my parents have a, a complete mental breakdown. So it's a very interesting thing when I now hear people say that money doesn't make you happy. They're often not the people who have experienced both extremes and, and, and actually I feel fortunate that I've experienced the downsides as well as the upsides which is which is sort of something I've replicated going into to my adult life as well. So so yeah 
yes, I've seen the wealthier side of life. I mentioned here the five-star holidays to Florida and such like, but actually some of the happiest childhood memories I had was when we were out walking in the rain as a family, when we went out in a picnic that went terribly wrong weather-wise, and we've ended up just having a, a complete giggle. So that was quite an interesting life lesson. But yeah, having it all, losing it all, and yeah, seeing the negative effect that had on my family and the stresses that money can cause from a relatively young age definitely was was quite a formative part of who I've become, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm sorry to hear that, but I think um, these early experiences definitely shape you a lot, don't you? And they stay with you. And yeah, I can see how that will have impacted the person that you are now and and also some of the probably some of the career choice you've had. I, I was interested in the Clearly, you are a very successful entrepreneur, you know, and we'll, we'll come on to talk about some of the, the ups and downs that come with that journey. But would you always say you had the entrepreneurial spirit? Did that come from, you know, what your parents did and some of those early experiences? Or is that something that has developed later in life? Yeah, no, I, I am the least entrepreneurial entrepreneur that you're ever likely to meet. And actually watching my parents go through that process, if anything, made me slightly risk averse. And it's really interesting because growing up, my parents always told me that I should be the next KAD. She was a war correspondent who was absolutely everywhere as I was growing up. And I kind of realised with the benefit of hindsight that and I think a lot of people fall into this trap. I was, my goals were basically my parents' goals, but I didn't actually identify that. I brainwashed myself into believing that I wanted to be a war correspondent and went off to college to be able to do that because the way the education system was set up in Scotland, I'd left school at 16, but I had the qualifications for university because I was a year younger than everyone else. So to stop me having to wait for a year to join at 17, my plan was to do an HND at college and then to go straight into my third year at university. But the reality was it wasn't all, in fact, we touched on this in, in our podcast yesterday, James, but I genuinely thought I was going to get sent straight to the front line and it was going to be all action, it was going to be amazing. And actually it was two years of college shorthand and learning about law and, um, you know, what true journalism entails, which I found pretty boring. Uh, so I went, I went full time at Burger King while I figured out what I was going to do with my life. And a friend of mine came in who was working around the corner for a double glazing firm and getting 40p an hour or more. And uh, yeah, basically, I just thought, oh, I want a piece of that. You know, I'm getting stitched up here working for £3.60 an hour. And, and off I went to work in double glazing sales and um, became very successful very quickly. But to be honest, there was no careers guidance. I had no desire to, to be an entrepreneur. Um, I still, still don't necessarily know if I do. I don't know what's happened. Um, I, I do know that I'm completely unemployable, but I was very suited to that sales environment, especially back then in my, my teens and my early 20s. It was very Wolf of Wall Street. It was very standing on your table, closing deals. It was high energy. It was fast paced. It was big money. It was absolutely amazing. For complete transparency, I cannot think of anything worse than that now. That is my idea of hell. But back then, it gave me the platform I needed to, to build my own self-confidence as well. So yeah, in terms of the becoming an entrepreneur, this is a really long-winded answer, but my husband and I sat there. We were in our early 20s. I don't think we were actually married at this point. And we sat in a beanbag in our first home. And I was going to say we Googled, but I think it was like Ask Jeeves or whatever back then. We sat there, and this is no word of a lie, we Googled Get Rich Quick. 
and like two things came up, property investment or stocks and shares. So we decided we were going to become property multi-millionaires. It was going to be really easy. There was this scheme that told us that and all we had to do was put down £25,000 and we were guaranteed to make like £50 off the back of this and like it was completely fail-safe. There was no way it could go wrong. And uh, that's when we first got into property investment. And James, I'm sure you won't be surprised to know that that venture wasn't very successful. Yes, and we're definitely going to come on to that because I think some of the yeah some of the most important things that come up in this podcast are the failures and the challenges and the lessons learned from that, which I'm sure everyone's going to really appreciate hearing about. Although I can imagine not always the funnest thing to talk about. When we were speaking yesterday, I mean, you were clearly very successful on the sales and and you know, rose through the ranks, earned good money, all that sort of stuff. But I know you you also uh, ended up working as a career advisor in prisons, which is. A unique career shift, definitely a first on this podcast, I think. So um, I thought I, I had to touch on that because I'd imagine from that experience in itself would have taught you some different things, some fascinating learning experiences. Um, I'd love to just hear a bit more about that because it's just not something I've ever really spoken to anyone about before. My career journey is just so so, so random. I was working in sales, like you said, in double glazing. I relocated to England. Um, I was responsible for about 100 staff. I had quite a lot of um, seniority and was earning great money at the time relative to, to my age. Although I've got to say, if you broke down my hourly rate, it probably wasn't that great because they did want their pound of flesh from you. But my, my younger sister, we've got a history of mental health in my family. My sister's got very extreme bipolar. She's been sectioned more times than I've had hot dinners, unfortunately. And my family was under quite a lot of stress and pressure. My parents weren't particularly handling it due to their own sort of mental health at the time off the back of the collapsed marriage. And more importantly, I think the, the business and the debt that that left them. Uh, so I, I basically gave up my high-flying career, if you like, to go and do a nine-to-five. So I was able to get back at the weekends and support my family and I knew exactly what I was earning every month. And that's basically what I did for quite a few years, which is when I worked in recruitment. And the reason I ended up getting into to careers advice was because, quite frankly, it was an extra £4,000 a year to the salary I was on at the moment. I didn't have any particular interest in doing it. And um, ended up working with offenders in prisons for best part of a decade. And it was actually really rewarding. It, it was an absolutely fantastic experience. It really helps you sort of break down any perceptions that you have or, or misconceptions that you have on people because... The vast majority of people, I worked in an all-female prison at the time, and I think at the time these statistics are out of date, but like 68% of all-female offenders at that point had been emotionally, physically, sexually abused. And hearing some of these stories was absolutely horrific. They were victims themselves, really. So to be able to play a small part in the process of rehabilitating people and actually reducing the reoffending was was absolutely fantastic. And the prison that I worked at at the time, we had a national reoffending rate of 5%. So you really were making a valuable contribution to society because it was over 70% was a national average. So 5% to 70%, there's obviously a massive you know, discrepancy there. So yeah, it, it was a real eye opener, but like every job or, or certainly 
in the public sector, it was just becoming more and more red tape. You had less and less autonomy to do the work that you wanted to do with the prisoners. And by the time I ended up being made redundant, it was nothing more than a box ticking exercise, really. So any sort of job satisfaction that had previously been there had long since been eroded. Yeah, I, I I just wanted to touch upon that 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 point uh, that you mentioned around rehabilitation because there's been a I know there are certain countries in the world that really focus on rehabilitation and therefore have much less reoffending and I think it's been you know probably many people listening to this that will think that a lot more needs to be done you know our prisons are pretty full you know and 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 a lot of the time you just feel that there are people that are maybe just get lost in that system and don't ever really have the opportunities to escape it and I think clearly you were doing a lot of good and contributing to 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 helping many people move on with their lives and look forward for anyone that's listening to this that might have been in the prison system or maybe currently is in the prison system but really wants to kind of move away from that life and and kick on with their career is there any particular advice you'd have based on your experience of seeing what has worked maybe what hasn't I think just being transparent with people, don't try to cover up your past. Not every job requires a a DBS or a criminal record check, but I would encourage everyone to be open and honest with any potential employer. And speaking from my own personal experience, my, my life could have went in two directions because I was hanging about with the dregs of society. That's a part of the story, really, that I've kind of skirted past and I was underage drinking from age 14 in Scotland. My parents had actually moved to quite an affluent area. I was in a decent school. They gave me every opportunity, but I still managed to <laughs> I still managed to find the people that were causing mischief. And I was going through a very challenging time for some of the reasons I've mentioned with the the breakdown of my parents' marriage and the fact that we were having our our properties repossessed and losing everything. It, It was a very challenging time and both my parents didn't have the mental capacity really to support me. And I made some decisions that let's just say I absolutely wouldn't want my own children to make. They are very much going to learn through my mistakes. And I did some things I'm not proud of. I wouldn't say I regret them because it's the butterfly effect. I think every decision I've made has helped me to become the person that I am today. But I had people in my circle dying from overdoses, going to prison. But I had something inside of me, an inner grit, I don't know what else you would call it, that got me to move out of that area, to go and live in Edinburgh, to go full time in sales and to just completely change my environment. And and really that was a bit of a sliding doors moment. Had I not made that choice or had that inner grit, then my life could have been very different. And whenever I've been back to um, the place where I grew up, a lot of those same people are doing the exact same things. And it's it's a real shame to think how close I was back then with some of those people and how different their lives could have been had they made different choices. So I just think everyone deserves a second chance in life. I truly do. And there's a lot of employers out there like me who are not particularly interested in what someone's done in the past. They want to know what they've learned from that experience. I want to know where their values, where their heart's at now, where their integrity's at now. And there's a lot of us that will support people to take that next chapter in their own life for sure yeah that's amazing your past doesn't equal your future yeah absolutely absolutely we'll never move forward as a society if we're always forever 
holding on to stuff in the past like we've got to move forward and I think there's so much I mean I've you've seen it in so many organizations I think Timpsons is a, a very famous one that has has a huge track record of taking in you know ex-offenders and, and really giving them a whole new sense of purpose and community and just it's great to see that and I hope that will happen more and more you mentioned a few minutes ago about being made redundant from that role and I know that was a really pivotal moment in your life we discussed it yesterday but I'd love to share this story with our listeners because I know that what you have described as being ultimately one of the best things that ever happened to you but I'm sure in the moment that really didn't feel the case and I know you were you were suffering from postnatal depression having you know recently become a mother again and so it, it sounded like a particularly challenging and stressful time so what 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 actually happened in that time of your life and and how did you come out of it better for it despite all the stresses of that situation so 2016 which was when I was pregnant with Isabella 2015-2016 I had quite a complicated pregnancy everything turned out to be absolutely fine but I was bedbound for the vast majority of it and in and out of hospital for various appointments and we weren't sure what was wrong I was in quite a lot of pain at the time and it was it was very stressful at the same time, and I don't think that this is any coincidence, I think the two are very much interlinked, although we didn't really make the connection at the time, we were under very extreme stress because of my husband's electrical business. They were working to really tight deadlines from a national contractor. They were under huge amounts of pressure. And very long story short, the contractor went bust owing us a significant amount of money and we weren't sure whether or not we were going to be able to to keep that business open. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to keep a roof over our head. We had our daughter Sienna who was three going on four at the time and I was pregnant with their um, second child Isabella. So when Isabella was born in the midst of all the chaos, she was just like a, a bright light in all of the darkness. And yeah, I don't know whether it was, I've got to be honest, I don't know if it was postnatal depression or whether it was, what form of depression it was, because I'd been in such a dark place before a given birth that it just, all your hormones and everything that goes on after you give birth, it was all just compounded. And my anxiety and mental health was actually in a, a really bad place. And um, a little bit of a humor in amongst all the the sort of serious stuff. My husband and I, we had our, our 2.4 children, we had the dog, we had the house, we had plenty of stress going on in our life. We actually made the decision that he was booked in for the snip. We're like, we've got our two kids, we're done, like, this is all we need. My husband was booked in on the Monday for his consultation with a specialist, and the Friday before, when Isabella was three months old... I found out that I was pregnant with our third and most definitely final child, my beautiful little Samuel, who's now five and a half years old. So that that was interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, add a little bit of extra stress to the situation. Wow. Oh, well, sometimes you can oh, only laugh, it was, right? It was crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 but it's like you said, I, I certainly wasn't laughing at the time. And wh when I got the call then, whilst I was still on maternity leave, to tell me I was getting made redundant from the prison, it was just like, what else? What else is life going to chuck at me? Financially, we're still sort of clawing our way out of a black hole at this point. You know, we've not went bankrupt. We're still very much fighting and pushing and paying back all these 
debts that we've been saddled with and you know life's improving but it's still pretty full on so I get the call about redundancy and I just felt like my world was crashing down a few months later when my maternity leave ran out we'd kind of made the decision that I was going to get into property but there was a bit of a period where I wasn't really quite sure my mental health was really bad I was genuinely struggling to leave the house some days because my panic attacks were so acute. So there was a very short period of time that I actually found myself taking my double pram and walking into to the job centre. And I remember just sitting there feeling so humiliated, James. And I know there's a lot of people that have to utilise our benefit system for very good reason, and, and that's what it's there for. But I just sat there feeling completely ashamed, you know, looking down at my children, thinking, I used to be responsible for 100 staff members and now I'm sort of sat here cap in hand filling out these ridiculous forms to get 70 pounds a week it felt very very degrading and that was one of those sort of pivotal moments I suppose because I just thought this this isn't me this isn't how my life story turns out and I really made a conscious decision that not only would I be successful Please excuse my language, but I was going to be really fucking successful. Love, yeah, love it. And uh, I mean, it says a lot about the person you are that you turned a difficult time into what you are. You have now become, you know, all the success you've had. And that inner grit that you talked about earlier is clearly there for all to see. And I'm sure at this time, given the state of the world and sadly the, the economic climate we're in, there's probably going to be a lot more businesses out there that will be making redundancies there'll be people listening to this that'll be going through that situation now so what advice do you have for anyone that is in that that situation and what are some of the things that you did to kind of you know almost like reset go again take your career in a different direction the first point you know when you said that the first thing that came into my head was I think it's Winston Churchill if you're going through hell just keep going and that that certainly resonated with me because it's not all sunshine and unicorns and when you make a decision to be successful it's not like I just walked out of that job center and fireworks started going off or money started dropping into my account no that that is the start of the the really hard slog so the first thing I did was I, I got myself educated. I recognised that property was going to be a vehicle to make money. I knew a lot of other people that had uh, embarked on property training and made a success of that. So we were your stereotypical middle class, right? We had a, a half decent house. We had nice cars in the drive. We used to go on two holidays a year, but we had bugger all in the bank. We had no idea about wealth management or or any, we, we just lived to our means. Easy come, easy go. So we were by no means destitute. But when I got made redundant, every single penny we had of that redundancy, which was our entire savings, went into that property education. So we went all in. That's my first bit of advice. If you make a commitment, whether that's your time, whether that's your money, whatever that may be, to educate yourself, you can't have ass things. How you do anything is how you do everything. And that's something I, I live and breathe. So we went and did the property training. And I share this as well. And the reason I share about the mental health struggles is because it's very easy for people to look at me now, see me speaking with confidence on my podcast, or, you know, I've spoke at Wembley in front of hundreds of people alongside Ed Milet. Like I've done some really 
amazing things, which I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to do. But when people say, oh, it's all right for you, I've got to remind them that when I did day one of my property training, I had a panic attack before I walked through the door. And when I was asked to do a 30-second introduction to myself in front of a room full of 15 people, I was physically trembling. My knees were knocking. It was visible for everyone in that room to see. So building that inner confidence and, and resilience is actually the, the best advice I could give everyone. And it's still something I have to do on a, a daily basis now. It's, it's like going to the gym. It's If you don't exercise the muscle, it goes away. And I'm very much still on my, my own journey with this. But I truly believe that your business can only grow at the same extent that you do. And I realized in 2018 that I, despite being a mum of three children and a wife and a friend and a sister and a daughter and everything else, I had to make myself the number one priority. And that is the most selfless thing that you can do when you truly understand that concept. That is so true. Now to a podcast we'd love to recommend. The We Society podcast, hosted by author and journalist Will Hutton, and brought to you by the Academy of Social Sciences. As the institutions and structures that have underpinned Britain and the world quiver before unprecedented pressures, Will explores with a unique range of experts the roots of what's going on and how best we can together respond. The topical issues in the second series range from Russians' invasion of the Ukraine with Sir Lawrence Friedman to how stressed NHS staff can sustain the nation's health with Professor Linda Bold. This is a must-listen for all of us, trying to get to grips with the magnitude of today's challenges and those concerned about our society and looking for insight and hope. You can listen to The We Society now, wherever you get your podcasts. You clearly kind of, I mean, from that, moment you stepped into that room albeit full of imposter syndrome yeah, clearly that that set this new path that you've gone on and you've gone on with your husband which we'll come on to talk about that in itself which is is unique you built this multi-million pound property portfolio but i know you you mentioned before the previous property experience you had had resulted in failure so just how have you approached it this time what have been the learnings from the past and ha- ha- i'm sure there've been some challenges along the way it'd be great just to hear a bit more about this time around? Well, this is called 40-minute mentor. If we're going to talk about some of my failures, it's going to be the 400-hour mentor. So the original property we bought off plan. So in theory, this could have really worked because it was back in the day when you could refinance a property in the same day. Everyone was doing that. But because of the financial crash, they tightened up the regulations, quite rightly so. I just wish they'd waited another couple of years. So we bought this property for 125 grand, which isn't big numbers in terms of what properties are, are, are worth. But for a young couple in their early 20s who are not in a great deal of money, that was everything to us. So we bought the property for 125 grand. It was due to be worth 200, I think it was, or um, 190, 200 by the time it was complete. Unfortunately, the development got flooded, it got delayed, and then we were smack bang in the middle of the global recession, by which point you couldn't refinance in the same day. And the property that was meant to be worth 200 was worth 65 and we couldn't get a mortgage on it. So there was many lessons learned there. The main one being don't go into things without doing your due diligence and don't just always take things at face value and make sure you have multiple exit strategies and you're mitigating against any risk. So it, it was um, 
very valuable. Again, it's one of those things. It doesn't seem like that at the time. It was hugely stressful. We had, at one point, I think we had something like, I can't remember now, something like 30 days or 60 days to come up with 40 grand or they were going to come after us. Not only would we lose the 25 grand we'd originally put down, we offered to walk away from that, but it wasn't an option. They were going to come after us. It was, it was stress. It was just, um, it, it was a nightmare. And actually that was the beginning of my mental health demise, if you want to like call it that, because I, I pretty much had a full mental breakdown. I was signed off work with stress and what have you, which is understandably why I I, came, I became so risk averse. But second time round, we went to who we believed were the best property trainers out there to get a, a proper education. We joined high level masterminds and we made sure we were connected with and affiliated with people who were so much further down the path that we wanted to travel so we could just immerse ourselves in everything to do with property. And we actually... To say we had absolutely no money, we had zero money to our name, we actually purchased two properties or had offers accepted on two properties within four days of doing our property training. Um, and we did 25 property deals in our first 12 months. That is incredible. Well, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this that might dabble in property or have aspirations to build a property portfolio. So I know this is more than you can just say in, in, in a few minutes, but are there any particular piece of advice, perhaps if they're just looking to get started or things you wish you'd have known before you'd have really thrown yourself into it? Well, I, I would say educate yourself, whether it's through a paid mentorship program or whether it's through YouTube, but listen to people who have actually achieved what you want to achieve. Because I'm a huge fan of mentorship and coaching, providing it's from the right people. And unfortunately, property does seem to have a disproportionate amount of charlatans out there and there's a lot of fake it to make it. So just make sure that you're connected with the right people. Make sure you're stress testing your deals, especially in the current climate. Make sure you've always got multiple exit strategies. But for us in the early days, it was about connecting with other people that perhaps had the thing that you didn't have. So in our case, we had the time, we had the the knowledge, we had the enthusiasm, but we didn't have the capital. So we partnered up with somebody who was really cash rich, but unfortunately didn't have much, well, time. He had a, a full-time profession. He was a high net worth individual who had a load of money in the bank. So it was a perfect partnership. It was just a, a straightforward joint venture agreement we brought what we call the sort of sweat equity we sourced the properties we did all the project management we dealt with the the solicitors the brokers and all the sort of mundane minutia day-to-day stuff and he literally just got his um, fixed return at the end of the the property deal so I would say collaborate and um, leverage other people's knowledge and, and expertise that's amazing advice. Yeah. And I, I, I completely agree around the, the importance of mentorship from the right sorts of people. And I think it's about getting out there and finding those mentors, credible mentors, and it can make all the difference. It clearly can. We're going to come on and talk a bit about the podcast in a second, Ellie. But, but before we do, you are a real inspiration to, to me and to many people, given that you don't just run these successful businesses, but you're also a mother of three and you do it with your husband. And uh, I know a lot of people listening to this will think that is crazy. I have huge admiration for it. Uh, you know, not sure. I, I mean, I love my wife dearly, 
but I don't know if we'd be able to work together. So what's that dynamic like between the two of you? How do you ensure that it doesn't consume your life completely? Are you able to get any time away from the business? Or is it just you love it so much that you guys are completely happy talking about it or 24-7? You know what? It's really difficult and you'll probably get a different answer to this question every time you ask me it because it's so changeable. It's the best thing we've ever done, but it's also been the most challenging thing we've ever done in terms of there is no escape from it. When my husband had his electrical business or his other businesses in the past, if he had a bad day, I was a confidant. He could come home. He could express whatever he wanted to express in a safe space. And I would just listen, support him, do whatever I needed to do in that situation. Whereas there are situations in the property business where, because I'll know the ins and outs of it, sometimes you you react in a very different way. So he'll be like, oh my goodness, you'll be feeling stress and pressure. And I'm like, well, had you done this, then you wouldn't be experiencing that. And you, you almost have a bit too much knowledge in, in certain things. So there's no respite. We weren't allowing each other a, a safe space to make mistakes sometimes. And I find it I, I think you learn a lot. If you can get through working with your other half, you genuinely come out so much stronger because you have to really learn how to manage each other a little bit because sometimes I, I struggle with my sleep. So by the time my husband would make up at half five, I might have been awake for two hours. And unbeknownst to him, I'm thinking about everything he's been doing wrong for the last two weeks in the business or, you know, things that we can collectively improve on. So he's waking up at half past five. You know, he's not had a, a shower. He's not had a cup of coffee. He's literally opening his eyes. And I'm like, right, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. And I'm putting him into negative energy at the start of the day. Like, that is not the best way to, uh, well, it's not the best way to get the best out of anyone. And that's that's common sense. But sometimes you can't see the woods for the trees. So it's, yeah, it, it's been difficult. We've never been a shouty couple. We've always been very respectful towards each other. And like we bicker, I, I, probably like a lot of, well, when I say bicker, I mean, I nag at Mark probably. But we've never been shouters. And I actually found myself in a situation about 12 months in where we were in our office and I was literally screaming at him. And I just thought, oh my God, like what, what has happened to us? This is bringing out the absolute worst in our personalities. And I think that's when we had to get very strict and set very clear boundaries, not just for the sake of the business, but more importantly, for the, the sake of the marriage and have clear roles and responsibilities, who does what, when we're going to discuss work, when we're not going to discuss work. But one of the beauties, that's the downside, but one of the beauties of working with your other half and fulfilling your dreams, your destiny, achieving your goals together, it's such a, like there's nobody in the world that fully gets the highs and lows like Mark because he's the only one that knows every aspect of my personality, every vulnerability not just the the public persona but he knows the the day-to-day -day ins and outs of Ellie Mackay and honestly it's been it's been a roller coaster there's times I've wanted to get off there's times I've wanted to chuck him off but now I feel like we've not only got through that but if people can just keep going it's going it feels a little bit like the um, Winston Churchill quote I was just telling you earlier if you're going through hell just keep going because if you believe in what you do and and you truly are compatible and Mark is my soulmate 
then when you climb to the top of that mountain together, there is no better feeling. When it all comes good, after all your hard work, after all the trials, the tribulations, the blood, the sweat, and the tears that goes into it, and you start reaping the rewards, not just financially, but you're able to become the people that you were born to become and do it together and become the best versions of yourself and support each other to be the best versions of yourself. It's absolutely everything. And now we can do the school run together every single morning. We can take three weeks off at Christmas we could take time off when we want in the school holidays and then we can work 60 hour days when necessary too because that's the beauty of the mashed up blended life we've created for ourselves yeah oh, I love that it's great to hear and then there's there's going to be bumps in the road but uh, all the things you just said there about the positive aspects of it you know it's, it's so wonderful and uh, you know I'm, I'm glad to hear it's going so well for you both and I'm sure that will continue we're going to quickly talk about the podcast and then sadly we're, we'll be at a close and I've got some wrap-up questions for you Ellie but having had the great pleasure of being on a mission you know I really love what it stands for but for for those that don't know uh, about the podcast do you mind sharing a little bit about it I'm hoping all our listeners are going to download and tune in uh, what, what inspired you in the first instance to, to create the podcast and tell us a bit about the impact it's had for you and your career it's probably been the best thing I have ever done in my professional life it really really has James it's my mission and it never started out like that at all it started off 2020 so not that long ago I, like everybody else, was locked down and at home with the three children, having a wonderful time for the most part. But certainly there was times in there where I was climbing the walls and craving that interaction with other, not just other adults, but other people who are similar to me, other sort of high performers or entrepreneurs, because I'm someone who thrives on that in-person energy. I go to a lot of events, do a lot of public speaking, a lot of client meetings and that kind of thing. So... I came up with the notion of doing some online interviews called the Sunday Series on Facebook. And it was just me interviewing a load of people, asking them questions. It was very informal, sat with a glass of wine in my hand on a on a Sunday night from my kitchen. And it was it, it really took off, not in a millions of downloads sort of way, but I was getting a few thousand people watching every episode. And I thought, wow, I'm really onto something here. This is just a great way of conveying your message and letting people know who you are on a one-to-many basis compared to the amount of times I've travelled across the country to talk in front of 50 people at my own expense and then come back again. But when the world started to open up, I lost my captured audience and that's when I made the decision to set up the On A Mission podcast, which is just a great way for me to not only share value, but to connect with phenomenal people, great people, have great conversations, learn so much, take a lot of personal inspiration and motivation, but also to to now make an impact on hundreds of thousands of other people who are listening to the podcast as well, which I genuinely could never envisaged. Oh, it's amazing. It really is. I think that's it. We we spoke about this yesterday when I when I came on your podcast, but it's something I never ever envisaged but you can really impact a lot of lives through it but it's also as you said it's just such a great learning experience to talk to incredible leaders people that have achieved different things um, and I, I've always said it's, it's a bit like a mini MBA for me where I get to just pick the brains of all these brilliant people and learn from their their failures and their successes you know like you I'd say 40 Minute Mental has been one of the best things I've ever done uh, and yeah and I, I'm sure lots of our listeners will be tuning in to 
to hear more now but uh, I've got to ask you because you asked me and I know it's like picking your favorite child but what's been the most standout guest for you like what have been some of the most memorable interviews and and what in particular was it about them that that stood up oh I should have been more prepared for this question really to say I asked you the exact same one I would say one of my more favorite recent ones other than ours James because that goes without saying that's a, a great episode I really enjoyed speaking to Ollie Ollerton from SES Who Dares Wins because I find there's actually quite a lot of parallels between the mindset that's required for the elite special forces to work in a high level in the business world as well. And he is very open and honest and vulnerable about some of his insecurities and things that have happened to him and the vices that he's had. And he's had to give up alcohol as well. I'm on my own alcohol-free journey. And also we were talking about things like ayahuasca, the plant-based medicine that he went out to Costa Rica to do. And I've been speaking to a few different people who are getting involved in like psychedelics and some of the more plant-based stuff, which I find really intriguing. A lot of CEOs and multimillionaires and people are like tapping into the spiritual world more and more. So it was a very diverse conversation really but it was also a very motivational and inspiring one for me on a personal level amazing that sounds awesome i'll go check that one out after this ellie it's been such a joy to chat and i knew it would be brilliant and it's been every bit as inspiring as i I thought it would be we always like to close the podcast with three wrap-up questions so in one sentence what do you think the future holds for you and the on a mission podcast Oh, in one sentence. That's the biggest challenge so far. (laughs) UK number one podcast for the global reach. Awesome. Fingers crossed. And if you could be mentored by one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I would probably go one-to-one with Wim Hof. Oh, good one. Yeah, it's nothing to do with business. Self-optimization, breath work, tapping into that inner genius you know, anyone can be taught strategies, maybe not anyone. Um, I think you do need to have business acumen. But for me, the more I'm tapping into that inner genius um, and that higher vibration, the more magic happens. And I can I could go quite woo-woo on you with that, but that's a, a story no, for another day. That. But I've had some incredible experiences with breathwork. Interesting. Okay, right. When we meet up for a a coffee i'll uh, i'll pick your brains on that <laughs> and finally ellie what's the best piece of advice or mentorship you've ever received one of my mentors said to me when i was about to quit a couple of years ago you haven't come this far to only come this far and it is really stayed with me it, it really has we actually have that up on our office because there be, there comes a time in everyone's in journey, if you're doing it right, where you really start to question your sanity because it can just feel like you put in so much emotional effort, energy, personal sacrifice. There'll be times where you don't see your family. There'll be times where you don't look after your health. There'll be times where you're pumping all your money in and you're not getting any back. And it it definitely takes a certain kind of crazy to do what we do. And I just thought, you know what, that is such a great reminder because if I were ever to quit, that would mean everything I've been through up until this point has been for nothing. Yeah, I love that. Something a lot of us will need to hear. I've certainly had those moments in the last few years where it's just like, why am I doing it? 
And then sometimes you just need to look around you and actually get out of the day-to-day, reflect on all you've achieved and what you're building and remind yourself of the purpose behind the mission. And sometimes it's just like, okay, I've I got this. I've got this. <laughs> I love that. What a great place to end it. Ellie, thank you so much for being a 40-minute mentor. It's been a, a real pleasure. And yeah, really, really can't wait to catch up in person at some point soon. So thank you for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan. Thanks, James. Thank you so much for tuning in today and for all your support over the last 12 weeks. Series 8 may have come to an end, but we've still got some exciting feature episodes coming your way before the end of the year. So please make sure you hit subscribe and follow JBM on LinkedIn and stay up to date with all of the latest episodes. See you next week.